cut the message, right? Oh, of course they did. No one can fetter my magics. What are you muttering about? There's no amnesty for you, and none to save your hide. Your audience with our Holy King is at daybreak, if he is not recovering from last night's festivities. Daybreak? That is not much time at all. The moon is already at its peak for the night. Oh, how I wish I could command the moon to stay where it is. Or even yet, to transport to the moon, where I would have all the dairy and cheese I could ever want. Oh, do you believe the moon to not be edible? I will prove it to you. I will bind the moon's shimmering light with the sparkling wine in my glass to peer into the world of Ramble Shamble. Good day, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ramble Shamble. Today, we decided to expand upon a previous topic that we kind of mentioned on the side. But um, yeah, today is its time to shine. Before we get to the episode, though, we are joined again by Mackie, who's a local favorite, a regular. Hello. Yeah. And we also have a special guest today, T. Hi. Now, I'm not really familiar with your work, T, but um, please can you explain or at least tell us what your podcast is? Uh, I, I know that you're another podcaster. That's yeah. about it, though. So we are Tea With Us podcast, and we do a different topic every week, basically. Nothing too structured, pretty casual. Um, we are on every podcast platform and YouTube and Instagram, Tea With Us podcast. Awesome. Short and sweet. I like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we run a very similar operation over here. We on all the podcasting platforms that they are we're on youtube and we're also on rumble as well and we also have our own social medias that that's facebook instagram twitter well yeah those three i I realized i was saying that as if there were more as well but no it's just those three but discord as well yeah discord discord's our big one just because we're gamers and we we just find it super convenient and having everything in a nice server and building a community is a nice way to spread everything around. But yeah. And I feel like Discord also gets the bad reputation that it's considered only a gaming social platform. But I've seen a lot of people use it for so many different things. Heck, I even used it in my old job. And it was a very valuable tool until the company realized that Teams is more professional looking. Yeah. But yeah, Discord is not just gaming. They share art. They share interests. They even play d and I guess that's not more story based yeah it's interesting yeah no discord discord I, I always market discord as being something that's very modular in comparison with the other video or voice chat social things because you can share your screen or you can share individual windows 
I mean, it's just so extensible in terms of how you can set everything up, including like your mic and your um, headphone source and all of those things. But anyway, yeah, that's where our podcasts can be found, both of them. And I think we can get to today's episode. Okay, so in the previous episode, Mackie and I were talking about the first contact with aliens. And we started to go along the the line of colonizing space at some point in the future. And so when T suggested this topic for us, um, I was very excited. In fact, I thought that Mackie was going to have the episode with her and that I wouldn't be included. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was a bit bummed about it at first. But I think I would be such a monster to you. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I suspect that I would have gone on way too long a rant about what I wanted, what, like, what my perfect scenario would be. Um, so it's actually better that you guys take center stage here. And yeah, I'll be the host for this one. So I'm going to give... Before you give the questions, can you tease, since this was the topic you raised, tell us again, what made you think, hey, let's talk about <laughs> This is so funny. I woke up at 4 a.m. in like a real panic as to what time is it on the moon? <laughs> I mean, like panic. I was like, oh my God, I just can't sleep until I know what time it is on the moon and do astronauts get like jet lag and i just for the life of me i was googling to like 7 a.m by which time i finally fell back to sleep still couldn't find anything out <laughs> and obviously when i was talking to Mackie about doing an episode we were just saying like about random things and it was like well do you know what i had this thought the other day 4 a.m thoughts and you know i still don't know what time it is on the moon so um <laughs> yes. yeah no ways now, now i i have to know what time is i on mean <laughs> You know, I'm hoping this episode uh, sheds some light on some of my moon questions. Okay, I, I, I think I can get to that right away. Although I'm not certain. This is just my own pure speculation over here. Isn't, isn't the moon tidally locked with, with the Earth? So isn't the, the front-facing part of the moon always looking towards the Earth? So then by, by that metric, it would be the same time in any local space on the moon permanently. Okay, so I, what I, time I don't know zone if do the, they run on, though? I don't know. You're on the night side or the day side. And then you probably but get to choose. What, do you, what do you, you're you trying to consider as well is that there's a moon share the same, like uh, T mentioned, shares the same time zone as the Earth. Because technically, shouldn't the moon have its own time zone? Because it has its own complete nighttime cycles and complete daytime cycles. So technically, shouldn't you, if you were going to like to Jupiter, you wouldn't say, what time is it according to Earth and Jupiter? You would consider, okay, uh, you'll have to think of a whole new time zone or new, new, uh, or new time zone for the moon. That's what I get at least. But then if they're running off Earth time, what time zone? Like Eastern or like GMT or like, like what time zone are they running off? I, just, <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> Oh, no, no, none of us are going to sleep. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't be able to do it on its own time zone because the moon appears to rot, like travel around us the whole time. So if it wasn't a time zone, it would be constantly shifting to new time zones. 
Oh, so, so every have to work like on its own um, part of the world it moves around, so it'd be like on East and then GMT and like so, so on and so forth. Is this <laughs> how it works? I, I suggest the way that it would work would not be based on time zone, but because it's rotating around the Earth, it would be based on country. So then <laughs> it'll be like 12 a.m. Uh, uh, 12 a.m. Peru time, and then 12 a.m. Russia time, or something like that. So it would go so based on, yeah. So on the moon, it would have its. It wouldn't be like time zone based. It would be country based. I think. Oh. It would, I think we would relate that way. <laughs> okay, and I think well, it would like... actually need to because otherwise people would get confused about time zones and things. So we would have to take that metric and shift it away from time zone, because otherwise we're going to have like conversion charts and things like that. <laughs> That'll get a bit out of hand. Okay. I still think the moon has its own own personal time zone, not related to Earth at all. But I, I like your way of thinking as well. Like if you try to link it to a specific country, jeez, that's well, that's it would, it would be some kind of rule like. The moon is always at zero 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 hour, and then <laughs> wherever it is zero 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 hour on Earth is the time for the moon. So it's in like Russia time, and oh. then it goes to New Zealand time, and then US time, and then UK time. Oh but the moon is always at midnight. Exactly. Are you are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes, I, I get what you're saying. I, I found a converter. I'm going to see what <laughs> the date of my birth converts to. It's seriously got something called LS, LST, Lunar Standard Time. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. It sparked a huge interest, yeah. Yeah. Okay, but um, I think telling the time on the, mo the moon is quite interesting and all, but uh, let's talk about colonization now. Okay, so um, I did prepare three questions for us and that is or they are what thing three things do you think needs to be established in order to colonize and then i left the next part blank so you can ch choose where we should colonize first and um yeah that's your own metric um you two the the listener will be the listeners will be choosing from your responses which one is more likely or plausible or rational for colonization effort. So you can shoot yourself on your own foot here with regards to where we colonize, <laughs> but um, I'm going to leave that up to you. The second question is: What do you anticipate the first thing will be that will go wrong? The third question and the last one is how far do you think we, as humans, will get um, in our lifetime? Now, that can be in terms of light years, or it can be like the level of um, Kardashev civilization that we become in our lifetime, or, yeah, whatever metric you decide. Again, um, are you familiar with the Kardashev scale? No. T? <laughs> nope. Okay. So Kardashev was like a, a Russian scientist in the 60s or something that proposed a 
a way of ranking life forms in the universe and those civilizations based on the level of power consumption, consumption and exploitation they use. So he said you get three types. I think a type one is a civilization that can harness all the energy on oh. their planet. A type two is their solar system. And type three is then an entire galaxy. So for, for a type one civilization, it would have to be some kind of Dyson sphere around the sun that can absorb the heat and the light. Isn't that a type two civilization? No, that's type one. Oh, ah, no, no. Okay. Sorry, you're correct. You're correct. So, yeah, it's tough. So, tough two is where it's absorbing the energy from the sun and then it allows us to go to there. We're, we're technically a type one civilization. So, in simple man's terms, type one is currently where we are. So, we we only able to use what we have in our current planet. Type two is where we're utilizing the sun to power and kind of explore the rest of the galaxy. And type three is basically we're now incorporating. The entire is it the top three galaxy or universe? Uh, it's a uh, galaxy. So the way I think about it is mm. type one is when you can exploit the planet, type two is when you can exploit yeah. the star, and type three is when you can exploit the black hole. But that's again just my my rationalization. Yeah. Okay, so those are the three questions. And before we get to your guys' responses, which are the meat and uh the bread and butter of this episode. I'm going to give you guys a just like a brief idea of what I think it'll be. Okay, so I think that the three most important things to establish to colonize, um, well, I chose a moon of some other planet just because it was already kind of in those conditions that we would need in order to survive there with life as we know it on earth so carbon-based life and i believe that it's either titan or enceladus the moons of like jupiter or something that are a bit more wow. amenable to human life now the mission would be to actually get there but i think that barring that fact it's much more plausible to to colonize those places just because um I mean, Mars has no atmos atmosphere, and the the moon is a barren hunk of rock to me. In any case, um, so yeah, I think that those are the places that we would colonize, and the three systems that I think would be best to establish first are organic recycling, in terms of having our own waste feed our food resources. Yeah. <laughs> like just make make a micro level um <laughs> what's it called the circle of life yeah a micro level circle of life to sustain the space system now that would be like co2 from the plants turning into oxygen for us and then us expelling the co2 back to the plants um but i don't think it would be able to function in a closed system it would have to have a little bit of juice coming from like i don't know pumps or something um and so we just need like a bit of a cir 
a circle of life happening inside of the space station or the, the dome or whatever. Um, uh, and then I think the second thing would be some kind of plan for making photosynthetic life spread around the dome or inside of the dome um, because we need to breathe uh, and plausibly uh, I understand. yeah and plausibly we would need some kind of life form that can harness whatever is inside the atmosphere of the place we're settling to make more oxygen and co2 so that um gradually the biome that we're building can expand um and then the last one is and granted this is from playing subnautica <laughs> a lot in the past um we would need a fabricator of some kind which i think would be a 3d printer but like on a big 100%. scale so like a 3d printer that's the size of a room or something that can harness at least like let's say three or four different elements and 3d print equipment that we need based on uh when we need it and that's for the second question which is what will go wrong because everything goes wrong always should we touch on the what goes wrong once uh t and i have given our uh points of views of your first question um, no, I think it's better to get all of my stuff out of the way so we can dedicate it to okay, you guys. Okay. So I think the first thing that will go wrong is communication in some way back to Earth. <laughs> um, and that's just because there's so much matter and debris flying in, in space. And especially if you're far out in the distance, like I'm proposing, in Titan or Enceladus, which is like Jupiter orbit, you know. Um, then I think there's a lot more chance that communication things can go wrong. And I'm fairly certain as well at some stage. Um, and then the last one is, um, how far do we, do I think we're going to get? I, I actually don't think we can get past the solar system in our lifetime because we still haven't really established the fundamentals or the foundation of colonization just yet um but i think that once we have one single foothold and we have a case study of the kind of things that can go wrong and how to adapt to them then we'll be able to spread much much quicker as well yeah mm. but anyway um <laughs> which one of you two would like to go first Matthew. i can see to do you want me to go yeah. first do you want me to yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Okay, okay. I think so, the, T, this is the fun part because now we get to poke holes in his scenario. Okay. <laughs> Feel free. I am built like a war. You guys will never go through my defense. Maybe a lot. Um, so, I feel like there's like a hidden question in your first one is what were three things to establish to colonize. Now... In your interpretation, Jotun, or if, let, let me know if I'm free to interpret it anyway. I like um, by colonization. Do you mean like we are self-sustaining on said planet, or do you mean that we are just occupying the planet? There's, those are two different uh, phases, in my opinion. Okay, so um, I actually mean that there's an alien civilization, and that you have to try 
overthrow them. No, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking, I'm joking. (laughs) So what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish a permanent settlement on this. Of self-sustaining. Self-sustaining permanent settlement on this um, piece of rock in space. Okay. No, that that, that clears up a lot because um, even on our planet Earth, I'm sure Jotun is aware of this as well since he is a man of history. There's there's three different phases which humanity explores or conquers said areas. And first, there's always a scouting team. So they scout the area, determine if it's something that they want to invest money and time resources. The second step is to send the first landing team. And this is not considered colonization because, or say establishment, because it's, it's still heavily relying on their home country to upkeep the living conditions on said planet. And then the third and final phase when you consider, hey, this is an official establishment or official cities or uh, self-sustaining is when they are self-sustaining. And just wanted to clarify on that because that that means that for my, from what I understand of the first question, I, I think we would colonize Mars first, although we will use the moon as a say temp base um, of operation so an op- a base where we're able to transport a, f- a few quite a bit of resources to the moon where we'll have a sub colony which is not as heavily relying on earth resources and it would then be a foothold as Jotun mentioned to go to Mars so uh, I see Elon Musk's idea of saying we need to colonize Mars there's a lot of things on Mars that could be really beneficial. And there's also the resources on the moon, which is also incredibly beneficial. So that's my kind of place that I think is where we're going to go in the upcoming years. So the three things that I need to establish to colonize. Uh, 110% a 3D printer. Um, <laughs> there's no doubt about it because the problem about us at the current stage is that we have the we already completed phase one of colonizing the moon phase two is to send a, a, a colony into the moon and then starts exploring most likely that first colony is going to die the second colony is also probably going to die <laughs> the third colony may survive we don't know <laughs> <laughs> and then and then it'll be like the himalayas and mount everest as well where the corpses oh, just 100%. lie there as like milestones or way markers for the people that come in the future because they'll be frozen solid and there's no decomposition so it's like you better make sure that you die smiling if you're part of that first colonization (laughs) attempt (laughs) no that's morbid completely morbid yeah (laughs) oh see i'm not sure if you ever know uh, i don't know are you were you aware that i think it was uh, a country where I think the British were trying to colonize, I think somewhere in Brazil, and they landed on that that there, and then all four colonial ships, like to start colonizing, building forts and stuff, all died by either disease or malnutrition, or they got lost, or a whole bunch of. Oh my god! Really? Yeah. <laughs> what, well, Jotun? You must know something about this. Isn't that what the book um, Heart of Darkness is based off of? I think so. How long ago know. was that? During the colonization period, so it was pre the industrial period. Um, it was when like Spain and the rednecks were 
the top of the food chain in the world government and stuff. Yeah, that doesn't really so help me, but okay. When America was still trying <laughs> to be identified themselves. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm bad at years. Uh, I'm not a history buff in here. This is Jotun's territory. Well, but let me go to... There, there, there is a, a, yeah. a, like a seminal book called Heart of Darkness by um, Joseph Conrad. But that one's about going into the African interior, not about um, South America. I'll fact, send the link in, to you in guys. Fact, it's I, an interesting short thing. Yeah, in fact, I think that um, it's the opposite in South America. I'm pretty sure. Like, the Spanish went there, and then it was the natives that got murdered and, like, wiped out, not the colonizers. Yeah. Uh, I, I, okay, actually, a good example is when America started colonizing America, and the whole Turkey Thanksgiving thing came around. Basically, even then, Americans were dying and starving because they couldn't live off the land because they didn't oh, know what to do. So okay. they had to, again, they had to took advantage of the native species. That's what where Yotan's pulling out. And basically they took whatever they wanted. They never looked back. Only now that there's like some mild grudges, but <laughs> that's not the point. So uh, phase one definitely requires a 3D printer. And I would use the on the moon, why I say the resource of the moon is going to be benefit is going to be needed for colonization of Mars. Is once the rocket has reached the moon and we rehydrate, the moon has water on it, frozen water, and we would convert that to rocket fuel, uh, which has got hydrogen and oxygen. In that way, we have the fuel necessary to travel to the Mars. But including there, since the rocket is reef really is almost considered weightless, traveling to lift off the moon it less, needs less rocket power to do that we would take the concrete powder because the moon has concrete to, or has the means of making concrete and that, is, that will be the resource for the 3D printer to use and that would so that would be the tool that would be the material that we would use to colonize Mars the second thing is you're going to need major H ultraviolet or reflective panels to reflect those infrared light uh, rays from the sun because I'm sure TE and Yotun are aware Mars has a much weaker atmosphere compared to Earth and we geez, if you want to colonize Mars you're going to need one of those things you're, you're going to die you're going to die by radiation poisoning way before everything else is going to start failing <laughs> <laughs> yeah the third thing which I I agree oxygen is always important if you're going to explore anyway but I think what's really important is the having a, a reliable energy source and again that's where the benefit, benefits of the resources on the moon is going to empower our adventure on Mars because with the moon uh, I've only recently learned about this it's crazy there's a helium 3 where it's basically it gives us the means where China's trying to explore will give us the means of doing fusion reaction fusion nuclear power so this is different to fission where we separate that so this is fusion where it's going to did you hear about the breakthrough in fusion power that happened like last week or something no it's literally increased by an order of magnitude in terms of the output or something like that so it was in the 0. 0.0 something scale in terms of how much fusion energy was taken out in comparison with how much was put in to get the process started but now it's grown by an order of magnitude. So it's still below one, which is what we're aiming for. But um, we're getting closer. Okay, that's awesome. Uh, T, do you know what we were talking about? Just kind of. I really don't. I really have no idea. Um, 
but that's okay. Okay, so just just think that's a nuclear power, but a much safer way of doing nuclear right. power. Okay, so that's okay. all you need to know. So don't but- think of Homer Simpson in The Simpsons where the nuclear waste is pouring out of the reactors and stuff. Think of a nicer version of the okay. right, okay. <laughs> um, the, the The reason why we want fusion energy is because it's 1,000 times more productive in terms of the energy output compared to the current nuclear technologies. Like the, the, the reason why something like the atom bomb is so dangerous is because they have to use our current form of uh, creating nuclear energy to just in order to fuel the actual business end of the explosion, which is nuclear fusion. Hmm. But anyway, uh, eh? I think you can carry on, Mackie. Like, um, yeah, those are my three things. So it will be three printers. Then I said that we need to have reflective panels to reflect off the radiation. Again, if we were living on Mars, we'll definitely be like. Uh, more people on Mars because we really want to minimize that radiation uh, killing us. I don't want to become a mutant Mars man. <laughs> and the, th- the third thing I said is definitely we're going to have the means of making our own energy sources where we will have nuclear. So I think by development means moon will be sub-development. I don't think we would be able to sustain there because there's too many complications, meteorites, all kinds of stuff. And then when we go to Mars, that's where we'll start to say, hey, this is some, this has a better conditioning of living on. I don't think Jotun's one is feasible because how on earth are you going to get past the asteroid belt? It's going to be a, a mission for me. I did say that, I did say that the hardest thing would be to get there. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's like you, it's the, it's the initial difficulty of getting there versus all that effort that you'd have to do in order to establish an atmosphere or bear with the fact mm, that mm. there is no atmosphere. And for me, that's a clear trade-off. No, 100%. Or winner. But yeah. No, I agree. Okay. Um, I, th- I, think, I think we'll do this question by question instead of like all three together like I did. T, before we hear your response, are there any holes that you can poke in Mackie's argument? I mean, I actually think, like, and I actually agree with quite a lot that you say, and I think 3D printers, like, I wouldn't have even thought of that. And I feel like it's an absolute essential, isn't it? Because you can't, like, bring all the stuff you need with you, obviously. Like, you need a way to make it there, don't you? Because... You could say that we have elevators that go up and down. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like because I was, like, doing my, you know, my research earlier. And it was like, they can't even take the rocket fuel with them. So I totally agree with what you say. We're going to need mm. the moon. Because you can't bring it, like, but then you're mm. going to need someone on the moon to bring it to you, aren't you? So you can leave. Because mm. they said it's too heavy to take. So I kind of agree with you that the moon is going to be, like, a sub-colony. For sure. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, because I feel like you need, like, a midway point, don't you? Like, with stuff that you're yeah. going to need. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do agree. Like a supply line. Yeah. Well, I think what we can definitely do for the 3D printer to get it to the moon, they would transport. So I think there's a lot of means to do it. So obviously we're developing faster jets, faster planes that can break atmosphere and that, that kind of stuff. And I feel that that's a means of, since we have a satellite that rotates around our planet, including the moon, is that we could have a, like one of those jet planes with the set parts or pa- 
packages and parcels and it will break atmosphere just to kind of like have a, a latch at the top that would release and as they're going down because of all the forces it won't go down with the jet because nothing's holding it down it'll float up into space and then they will have a sub team to kind of grab it to collect it i think that's a poss- i think that's possibly what they will do to send the components to build their printers to go to the moon yeah there, there was just one thing you said in the beginning that I thought didn't make a lot Uh-oh. of sense. And <laughs> that's, that's that you said the moon is the most important thing because of the like building a stepping stone towards where you actually want to colonize. But yeah. you, you said it in an opposite way, though. You said something like the moon, uh, the moon isn't isn't that important to colonize at first because you want to colonize Mars. But then you change down the line to uh, say that actually the moon is the most vital because we need a, a supply line of some well, kind. Sorry, what, what I was meaning there to clarify, I agree with what you say. Colonization of the moon is not vital. Well, it will, won't, won't happen before we colonize Mars. I say the resources are from the moon is what we want. So basically... When we have that sub-colony, we're just using the moon as resource. That's it. We're not building any long-term. It's going to rotate people. People are not going to live on that planet, the moon, for extended long periods. They're going to rotate that consistently between teams and stuff. So that's oh. pretty much why I say it's not colonization. It's basically just resource gathering. So think of an asteroid. You'll just go up to the asteroid, grab what you want, and leave. Boom. Oh, so then the people from Mars will harvest things from the moon. Or people from Earth will yeah. deposit things on the moon so that, like in a cache or something. It can be transported oh, okay. yeah, and then collected and transported to Mars. So the moon is not here for colonization, possibly at some point, but it's just it's basically a sub-point. It's just like a stepping stone. I'm going to grab what I need from the stores and go to where I actually want to go to. But then you just, you just dump a, like a facility there just to be primed and ready for whenever someone comes. Agreed. Okay, cool. I was going to be looking after it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's why you need the fabricator, because every time you show up, then there's going to be new problems to deal with. And a lot of duct tape. Possibly. <laughs> Aliens. Yeah. Oh. Okay, but that was Mackie's choice of the three most important things. What do you think, T? What are the three most important things that we would need? Okay, well, this is a bit weird, because obviously after hearing like what you've said, I had like a completely different idea. However... Um, I completely agree with what Jotun said about a dome because this is what I had in my head. So I envisioned like living on Mars, you need a dome, right? Because I feel like you need to be like um, sort of shielded from everything like in space, right? So because there's no like basically no atmosphere. So I feel like a dome is like absolutely number one because surely you can't survive you know, in the conditions, like, without it, because doesn't Mars, like, isn't the warmest it gets is, like, zero degrees, right? And then what with, like, yeah. all the space stuff flying around and whatever else, I feel like you need a dome. And that was, like, what I had in my head, living on a different planet. You're going to have to live in a dome. And then you're going to obviously need, like, oxygen and water and stuff like that. But I feel like that was, like, the basic stuff. So is that assuming that's already there? I don't know. This uh, is your you, you interpret the. You qu- tell us what. Yeah. yeah. You interpret the question as you see fit. Okay. Well, I think. Yeah. So you tell us the three things. So you say the dome. Yeah. Um. And then assuming that you've already got like a water supply, somehow in that dome, then 
I feel like you need some sort of food, uh, a way to get food, make food, whatever, whether that's plants Potatoes. or animals <laughs> or however you're going to do it. I feel like that's like absolutely vital. And then I don't know, I'm torn between like two things. Obviously, you need energy. It's like, again, it's absolutely essential. But I, okay, so I suppose I'll go for the dome, energy and uh, food source. That's interesting because Mars does have underground water reservoirs, that's the word I was looking for. So that technically could work. So you could go to the planet and say, we'll tap into, we'll, we'll establish ourselves at a specific point on the planet. The The major downside why I stayed steered away from domes is the fact of radiation that I mentioned yeah. before, is that you, you're gonna ha you're gonna struggle with trying to keep that radiation uh, to a safe level for humanity because I've read some articles um well not read I watched a, a, a video yeah I don't I don't yeah. think so because because what T is uh. what T is proposing is that you have a glass or some kind of glass dome that blocks UV radiation because right. that's this ultraviolet yeah. that will eventually mm -hmm. murder us because of cancer and stuff mm -hmm. um, and like rapid mutations in our bodies and things like that. Uh, but while it does that, it has um, not a filter, but it lets infrared radiation through just to heat up the environment inside of the dome because Mars is so damn cold. Yeah. And I think, I think that just in that description, there's nothing in my mind that says that you can't do both of that simultaneously because <laughs> I, th I actually think that one filter for the uv would kind of be enough because then it bounces the uv rays away but it's and in as much as that it's still letting the infrared come through so then you just got to make like a greenhouse like sauna effect inside of the dome and it's made of glass well, so the heat will be trapped inside no. anyway yes yeah, so it'll probably build up to a bit the too much because obviously Mars yeah. is so cold, so if you can bring that up by like 10 to 15 degrees, you could comfortably live. And then... Um, Sorry, uh, why I say it won't work is, I agree with what you guys are saying. I have no I have no problem about the temperature heating, that kind of stuff. Is that the glass that we know, the kind of means of our kind of filtering out UV light is not to the scale that Mars will have because of their atmosphere is so much weaker than ours. We... The, the amount of UV radiation is is quite a bit larger. So our the, the the theoretical means of us to kind of survive on Mars at the moment to avoid radiation uh, causing cancer and the number of things that we're not quite fully aware of is us to like even become ball people. That's what I mentioned before is that even that doesn't completely eliminate the UV radiation. And you're also assuming, like you said, for that the Mars is going to have consistent light or wave the colony's face. So is having a dome technically the right thing to do? Or do you have multiple domes on the planet? Because one side is going to be very hot. or it's not going to be hot, sorry. It's going to be our normal temperature. And then the rest of the time, it's going to be ice cold. So you're going to, are you going to travel to, you're going to have multiple domes that they're going to like travel between two? Or this is like kind of question I mean, to tea? I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Downsizing. But those sort of domes that they live in, that's like what I had in my mind. So, I mean, yeah, you could have like loads of domes and like 
then you could get your vacay in like the cold dome and then you could go back you know and you would really live wouldn't you so i feel like yeah you could definitely have like multiple domes maybe with some tunnels to like you know get between places and stuff um oh, I, like I feel that. like that would be like, <laughs> like life, you know because i'm not being funny you're not gonna go from what we have now on earth like with everything that we have to then basically nothing and almost going back in time things are gonna really have to be i think quite high tech in the end obviously not starting out but in the end to make it appealing for people to live there because you're giving up like so mm, much here so i feel like you definitely you're gonna need uh just as much as what we've got here to make it somewhat appealing wow. so then you then you can make an interconnected like series of domes where yeah. you have the hot one and the cold one and then the way you keep the cold one a bit cooler is by venting all of the heat into the hot one so there would be like no heat loss that way it's just like recycled and then yeah. any cold air that comes from the hot place uh, naturally will sink to the bottom because of convection and then you can just funnel all of that coldness back to the cold one this sounds like it's totally doable sounds excellent yeah and and, and in order to in order to get the uv rays and stuff away you could just make a dyson sphere of a of a dome so then you just have like mirrors or solar panels on the outside and you can actually use that um heat to good effect or that radiation that could be your power source yeah it's 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 definitely something to look into i, I still think there's because they even like when i read this one article they said that even the material that normally does reflect these radiation is not going to be 100 percent full so yeah look I, I definitely agree that the dome heating is definitely going to be beneficial but that that is it's definitely something that obviously i cannot tell for sure okay so um i said that communication would probably be, be the first thing that goes wrong i said t should go first yeah 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 let's let's sling it towards the guest i think the the very first lot of people that get there i don't think it's going to be established enough i think a lot of people are just going to end up dying and not being able to get back to earth i think it's going to be lacking in quite a lot so i think the first thing that will go wrong is the initial group of people that went to live there will actually die and so a second group is going to have to be sent so i think that's like that will go wrong and i think it will definitely happen first because it's like the test group isn't it so that's what so I think your first thing will your first thing that's going to be wrong is that there's just going to be like large-scale death yeah death Man. in the colony yeah. <laughs> yeah and i just want to ask this as well is the so when the first group gets to the planet yeah. and then the will they obviously die will the second group expect to say oh i'm sure bobby's still alive and then the land then it's like just i mean gone. potentially yeah <laughs> like like oh, because man. i just feel like it's not going to be because obviously these people are going to have to go there to establish the colony and i just feel like they're going to be lacking mm. too much you know because they're going to have to put the dome there and do all these things so i feel like they're going to be lacking too much that the majority of them will die out just purely because of what they're lacking interesting what what yeah. what altruists willing to die for humanity <laughs> you know if, if i was the last person of the first colony that was still alive i would actually arrange all of the dead people that aren't decomposing as like way way pointers myself 
and like have them point towards where the colony is, like with a sign on their chest saying like home is that way, and another one pointing towards like the resource deposits and the cash, just so like the second people can know where the hell they're going. Oh my god! There's, There's no way that we can be certain that the GPS trackers for the settlement and the resource depot will still be functioning. So you gotta you gotta set the fallbacks so that people know exactly where they're going. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's uh, a really interesting. And then you can make them and then you can make them smile as well. Just so it doesn't look like it doesn't look like there's a look smile, of horror. Yeah. So that, that you, we don't assume yeah, so that we don't see like an expression of fear on their faces because they they hallucinated and thought that they saw some like Lovecraftian squid coming from the distance or something. No, you want to make them smile. I and mean, be you don't want to put the second colony off, right? So yeah, you need to have everyone like smiling, looking like everything's fine. We don't want exactly. anyone leaving. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is so funny because you basically put up a play for the next colony to come and <laughs> you use the dead Just body of the like colonists, to be it? honest. <laughs> but, but I think that, that's actually legitimately way to kind of, before I end, because I'm the last person, I survived my other 10 companions' lives. I'm going to do one last thing because efforts. It's my last act of what I can possibly do. I'm going to put up an, a display of things and have like the of like man touching god with finger pose and then have another one where he's oh geez, if, I, so if I was the last one i would it. constantly be setting up like different scenes of the dead people like <laughs> acting out shakespeare plays or something <laughs> like how else That's are you going to so keep yourself morbid. busy i'm not going to play sudoku or something all the time no i, I go outside and do <laughs> stuff with the bodies I feel like uh, Jotun will make like a hand puppet of my face and say, "How are you doing today, Mackie?" And he'll like say, "Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, that's good to hear." And I'll, like move my, my, my mouth with the head. Oh, would, uh, that's actually gross. I part. would have a dedicated high five corpse that's just just like at the entrance <laughs> of the dome, so that when I have to go outside to collect resources and come back in, I'm just like high fiving him all the time. That would be your role, Mackie. <laughs> Ah, oh, at least I'm the half Yeah, <laughs> someone I recognize, I'm familiar with. Hey, Becky. Oh, sorry, that arm just broke off again. Let me just... Yeah, there you this go, is why we packed the duct tape. I was just about to say, at least you were packing duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let me let me touch on what I think is going to go wrong before we... Ooh, that was a good That was a good section. I love that section. So... I think what's going to go wrong is I, I definitely agree with your guys' interpretation of communication and time there is just going to be a complete mess. There's no doubt that the first colony is probably going to die. There's, there's a lot of things, but we're smarter. So I definitely think there is a possibility that no one will, there will be minor casualties, but there is definitely going to be something that goes wrong. And I think what's going to go wrong is that we're going to be introduced to a new disease that is going to, that we're going to discover while living on Mars, not typically like living long living, but we're going to cover, come across a Martian organism or disease that we have no immunity against and it's going to wipe all life on Mars and then we're going to have to quarantine these planets for X amount of period of time. And how this disease is going to come up is we're going to start, like uh, you guys mentioned before, we're going to start 
planting and growing things from the soil of Mars, which needs to be genetically modified because the soil of Mars is not quite what the level of nutrients that we, that our plants have, so we need to make a genetically modified plants. And from those plants, because now we're using certain soils, certain things we're able to genetically modify, but now people are starting to get a weird infection. Maybe they get some rashes on their bodies, and this is going to wipe out the whole colony. Wham! Completely gone wrong. And then we're only going to find out that once we start living on Mars. Wow. Interesting. So you think yeah. the, the, the plants will be genetically modified in order to survive mm-hmm. on Mars, but then will that, will, will, will that be the point of ingress into like our bodies and our immune system to infect us? Because we would then eat the plants. No, no. The, I, yes, I agree. With, yes, yes. So it is the we would eat the plants, and that's how we get infected. But I think it's the nutrients in the Mars soil that we assume we're making a lot of assumptions that hey, we can grow these things, and we know plants they take nutrients from the soil. And I just think there's going to be some organism that's going to like piggyback on this nutrient suck path, and then we're going to eat it like it normally is, and voila, we're now infected. Okay, I, I think that's a. Uh a pretty likely thing that'll crap out in the end. But um, I think that the way in which the, the disease will come to us or whatever is actually through the water supply. Because oh, assuming, assuming that life can only exist as we know it, with water, water being absolutely essential, I would think that the only place, place that we could be certain life could exist on Mars would be in the water supply in some kind of way. And you said like the deep cisterns and stuff down underground, um, which is already also, like you said, mole people or at least underground. So it's protected from the UV rays. Mm. Yeah. I think that that would be the way it happens. The water supply. Thanks for strengthening my point. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the water supply, dude. That's how they even found out about uh, germ theory in the first place, because one guy, um, like in the 1800s or whatever, noticed that there was a lot of sickness going about. And when he plotted it on a map, I think it was like London or something, then um, he realized that it was all coming from a specific well that was like fetid or putrid or something like that. And that that Ooh. was causing all the dysentery and stuff that was happening in the neighborhood. Yeah. You have to be careful what you drink and eat, eh? Really something that really can mess you up. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. Okay. So I think I'll I'll go to the last point yeah. unless there's further queries about my disease theory. No, you can go straight to the last point. How far will we get? In my lifetime, I think we will start the process of colonizing the moon. Um, like I mentioned, my first one, we won't finish colonizing the moon, but we'll initiate phase two colonization of the moon, and. I definitely think in my lifetime we will definitely start phase two of colonization of of the moon. Um, I don't think we would we'll do, maybe do a scouting thing in my life during my, our lifetime. I don't think that we would start phase two of Mars colonization. Look, the the moon is definitely our starting point, and I think phase two is coming soon. the The thing is, we have the reason why I point us towards that it will happen in our lifetime is the fact that phase one of moon kind of scouting missions basically completed we've done a lot of research we're consistently researching it and we technically have all the technology needed to start colonizing on the moon and 
Yeah, I think that's where, at the at the point of where I pass away, I think we would basically be maybe a third way through phase two. I wouldn't say we finished phase two. No, heck no. <laughs> but I think we would. A few colonies will perish by the time I, like me being an Earth dweller, will perish. I think that's. Is there something more I should answer there, Yotun? No, I think that's that about covers it. So you think we'll get started on phase two? Mm. And uh, can you, b- b- before you go anywhere else, can you ex- ex- explain exactly what the phases are again, just so that we have a a recap of that? So phase one for uh, general colonization, phase one is scouting. So basically, we touch on the planet, take a few things, take a few samples, and we leave. So that that's phase one. So we've basically done it with the moon. We've landed on the moon a few. We've landed on the moon again, and it's just we've done phase one. We've explored the moon. We've taken photos. We had satellites viewing it. Phase two is where we go onto the planet or country, and we heavily rely on the resources from our home country. So it's not self-sustaining. It's something that is heavily reliant on our home country, also our home planet. So the Earth is going to consistently send foods or whatever's needed to our mooners, if you want to call them that, or I don't know what they would like to be called, the land of moon people. <laughs> um, <laughs> mooners, I think T likes that one. So we'll I like that. that one, yeah. Yeah, mooners. What would their flag be? So, yes. Their flag would be just like oh, two no. perfectly shaped and cupped ovals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like white, white on the field the of black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a little star at the back, like in between the two spheroids. 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 So, yeah, the the mooners are going to have to heavily rely on resources from Earth. So, that's phase two. And then phase three is full, like, self sustainable. So, yes, we would still trade with Earth, but we, at a certain degree, can self sustain. So, we produce our own food so we can. Uh, not completely cut off, but like we'll eat mo- a lot more moon food. We'll do basically all that kind of thing. So three is where you quite established. You got a family. Everything's quite settled. So you you now prospering. You're not necessarily surviving. Where phase one's more like we need to survive and hold on to that next supply drop, or we're gonna die. Phase three. Phase three is where no, we we can do what we can do. We have the resources. We have the knowledge. We have the understanding. So that's that's the three phases and. Phase three is journey what they consider as like final phase, where life can grow, cities can grow, and all that kind of stuff. So that's when things just really escalate. Then it's just a matter of time to see how quickly everything can spread out from the next. Hundred percent. Okay. And that's why phase. T- uh, fa- I don't think we would finish phase two before my lifetime. Um, I think we would, because look, we have amazing technology, but because the moon is such a completely new territory for us, that we're going to do a lot of trial and error. And I think, hey. Um, Phase three is definitely where things are just going to be so epic. It's going to be flying saucers. There's going to be like <laughs> proper rockets. They're going to be these specialized mining things to mine from asteroid belts. We're going to find new and interesting diseases, aliens, and minerals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be a world of adventure and destruction. Sweet. So you reckon the middle of phase two? Well, no, a third way through phase two. It wouldn't be halfway done. Because we, we were very slow in even starting phase two. So I feel like 
judging by projects as an engineer that I've worked on, everything has like a, a curve of like it's so slow in the in the beginning and it skyrockets exponentially like progress and then it slows down near the end. Yeah, it flats and out. I feel like it's going to do a proper S-curve. You know, yeah. It's an S-curve diagram. So everything's going to be slow and it's going to go shoot up like, oh, the moon's a new thing. Colonies, people are going to just be moving to the moon and then it's going to slow down and then they're going to start thinking, hey, we can do phase three now. Okay. I agree with that, actually. Like wholesale. Wholesale. Did I sell the moon to you? I are mean, you a fellow mooner now? Well, obviously we can't like debate that we've already passed like phase one, haven't we? Really? Because like you say, we've been there already. So, oh, you could say that we haven't dug into the moon. But we have landed <laughs> on the moon, so surely that's a good way into part one, right? So yeah. if you talk in our lifetime, what's that? Probably like, if we're lucky, what, 70 years left? I don't know, 70, 75 yeah, I'm maybe? I'm living another 100 years, what are you talking about? Okay, so <laughs> in that time, I don't think we're going to get too much further, but I think we'll definitely progress. But whether it's the moon or Mars, I don't know. Because I feel like Elon Musk is really pushing for Mars. So maybe both. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to get to phase three. Like, that's not gonna, not in our lifetime. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> like, it's Aww. just not. So I feel like phase two is definitely like a happy medium. Maybe phase one for Mars. But oh, the way Elon Musk is going, potentially maybe like middle of phase two. That's That's... That's very interesting because I, I was just thinking like phase one is good. Yeah, I actually, um, I agree a bit more with T over there just because we've already done it for the moon. And like I said, with, with or in the very beginning when I was talking about where we would settle, the moon is basically a hunk of dead rock to me. I don't think there's that much incentive for us to go to the moon because there's no exploitable water. So I think that we would actually... Oh, there's water there. I think we... Okay, but... Okay, okay. Um, but I think that we would actually bypass the third phase of the moon in order to settle Mars quicker. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Because I think there's potential for actual life on Mars, whereas the moon, mm. I don't think we can actually uh, sort of survive and thrive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's It's... It's a challenge between because obviously the moon's a lot closer, so there's a lot more potential of survival. Yeah. Um, but I'm also on your guys uh, on board on the same ideas where full colonization will definitely be Mars before the moon, like I mentioned before. But the, the the dangers of Mars is that obviously if something goes wrong on Mars and they send help to the Earth, it's going to be weeks before they actually get something back from the Earth. So the Earth says, oh, Bobby's now saying that he is having some problems with the set so 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 I'll go send the resources to go send it to him. Then we have to quickly pull together our resources, send this rocket out there. Then by the time it gets to Bobby, because now this has been four weeks of this person experiencing set problem, and it's just gone. Where on the moon, it's at least a little more proactive. We have already a satellite where we can, or midpoint, come to the moon, and communication's a little bit quicker. Uh, but, but yeah, there's a lot of things but, that can go wrong. But we, but we all genuinely agreed that the first people would die anyway, like the first two settlements yeah. or something. So <laughs> the first, like the yeah. test people, definitely. So like, yeah. So that shouldn't even be a factor, like the whole two week thing for help to come or whatever, because we know they're going to die anyway. So it's a suicide right. mission. And they doesn't must just it go take later. like months yeah. to travel to Mars? So yeah. by the time 
you get there anyway. I mean, it's already too late. Before you've even left, it's too late. Like, yeah. So I feel like you just have to the test people that go, you know, know that what they're setting themselves up for, and it is what it is. I won't be going until we have like WhatsApp and Instagram. Um, uh, WhatsApp, Instagram. I mean, oh, like my social media. What are you talking about WhatsApp? You, we got a Moonsap, okay? Moonsap <laughs> is the thing in Moon. <laughs> okay, yeah, but like we need something like to be able to communicate with Earth because unless everyone from Earth moved, you wouldn't catch me there. But um, <laughs> the, the test people that go, yeah, it's by the time they've left, I mean, it's already too late to send help, you know? You're, you're already months behind, so. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's short-term survival on the Moon or long-term survival for the species on Mars. Mm. So, you know, yeah. there got to be some guinea pig somewhere. Like, exactly. Yeah. I can just imagine that Jotun having control of this robot, and in everyday colony, he just kind of arranges in a typical art fashion. Like, he has, like, this robot that drags the bodies away after they passed away. And then, like, when we fully colonize Mars on the moon, you just go over this hill and you see all these, like, dead sand sculptures of people just passed away in these weird poses and depicting these weird fashion You would thoughts. think that they're dead sand sculptures, but then you go there and you see the actual yeah. corpses. This is just sounding more and more barbaric. You'd probably, you'd probably need to wash wash them every now and then just to get the Mars dust off. Like that sandstone must be so all over the place Those the, from the dust hole. Yeah. I'm sorry I touched back into a tea, but I just needed to say it one more time. That was a funny thing. Uh, well, the analogy is Mount Everest here. That's what they used for Mount Everest. So, yeah, man. I'm pretty true. sure that the original dude, Mallory, who climbed Mount Everest, still hasn't been found, I think. Oh, jeez. Really? Wow. Mm. There must be loads of people that have not been found Tons. up there, though. I mean, oh, they yeah. use them as way Himalayas. Yeah, and the thing is, Mars is so cold that they would it would be the same as, as Everest. Like, they Ooh. would be preserved because it's so cold, And they know microbes right? to, yeah. to eat them anyway. Yeah. Oh, no, that, that's... Sweet tonight. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually think one of the first things that will go wrong for, for people is just the, the way that our bodies will be affected. Um, oh, 100%. At least... For, actually didn't touch Yeah, f- I think the, the second generation of whatever is the phase three people on Mars would have serious health problems um, unless they had like an education and upbringing inside a far more gravity intense place or let's say a space station that actually has um, centrifugal force generating the gravity because otherwise, otherwise it wouldn't end very well because at least for the development phase of those human beings, they would need normal gravity. I think adults are far more hardy because their bone structure and everything's already set. But while, like before the age of 23 or something, they were definitely in in a far more controlled gravitational environment. Yeah, that just actually reminds me of... That's a a really interesting point. Yeah, there's a, a movie, it's a bit of an anime movie, or is it a series? I think it's a series. Um, and I watched it on Netflix. And as it shows, like, these kids that were born on in space, and they have these, obviously, muscle uh, deficiencies, because, obviously, since they were born and raised in space, they weren't 
attuned to any gravitational forces and stuff. So they're incredibly weak. They have all these weird diseases and stuff. Jeez, that's actually something with your be a challenge if, to even have life if, if, if someone wasn't inside uh more like a place at least with like 0. 0.7 uh g's of gravity i think that if they ever went to planet earth again they would basically collapse in on themselves because their their vertebra wouldn't be strong enough to support them in our gravity or anything like that heck we can't even mm-hmm. we can't even safely assume that they'd look like properly Human. humanoid yeah because they're like all sorts of sutures inside of our skulls and brains and well, not in the brain but like the skull and our maxilla for eating and things like that that aren't even fused yet they're like um pliable cartilage and only at like the age of 20 or something is the last suture in our bodies actually fully set so they could be like weird <laughs> globular <laughs> creatures for all we know. Cause, cause, the two minutes then. Because there'd be no need for their um, skeletons to actually harden if they don't have to fight against gravity. No, that's 100% true because astronauts actually, I'm sure uh, you guys have heard, is when they came back from space missions, they're always taller because obviously there's no gravity and then they, after a while, they have to, they get moon sickness and it's something that they have to recover over time and their bodies revert back to normal. But jeez, the whole fact that like this, oh, I'm actually getting gross by this. So topic. effectively, <laughs> any baby born on the moon or on Mars could never live on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. They were, unless they wow. went to like, some like, serious training montage. Yeah. I yeah. don't actually like rocky. I, I think that actually for the entire pregnancy of the woman, she would need to be in that gravity controlled environment as well, because otherwise, oh yeah, um, sure. I don't think the baby would entirely form correctly. Yeah, and that's what this uh, oh, wow. series on Netflix really touches on is the fact that these kids, I think out of like eight kids, only like a few survived, and the rest had like these real brain problems, and their whole body just the bodies weren't attuned it well enough because we humans of nature and probably after evolution and space for a couple of years we probably will be more accustomed but i think initially things are just going to go all wrong bush child and stuff hopefully not i'm hoping to be wrong <laughs> yeah prove me wrong future <laughs> future yotan that will use my dead body as a sculpture prove me wrong oh dude imagine the, <laughs> the kinds of sculptures you can make from the second generation of people that died though like their skulls and everything would be super pliable, so you could you could make them look like aliens. True, true, true. Like mm. you could make them look like the xenomorph. How awesome would that be? I think terrifying. Uh, okay. I mean, are you gonna personally do this to them, or? Or I, I mean, if I was bored, and there were just a bunch of dead corpses with like pliable skulls lying around, oh. I mean, what else am I gonna do with my time? If I'm the, if I'm the we last, need to think some <laughs> yeah. And stuff. yeah. But okay, so that was our episode on colonizing the last front, the final frontier. Today we were joined again by T with us and Mackie. Now you guys have to choose who you, you guys as the listeners now, who you think motivated for the better answer, and. 
yeah, let us know who you think won and suggest to us how would you go about colonizing space as the first steps for humanity? Uh, how far do you think we will come in our lifetime? Okay, and from our favorite responses, we will choose one lucky person's response in order to make a bonus episode for this episode called Ramble Shrapnel, because that's a little bit or a little piece of the main episode. And yeah, we'll find that from the Discord or from the YouTube comments and talk about that for a little bit. Hopefully we can maybe get you back here, uh, T with us, just so that we can get your wonderful insights again. And... I would love to come back, yeah. So where can we be found, Mackie? Well, guys, it's quite simple to find us. We are available on every podcasting platform that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, pretty much every podcast you can think of. Um, probably there's some weirdos out there, but again, we, we only post to the ones that are mainstream at the moment. And again, guys, uh, we also post these on YouTube on the same time as the as these audios go out. So that's really great. You guys can comment on those videos, which we really appreciate, as well as like and subscribe, maybe. We also do try post on Rumble as often as we can. Uh, it's not as re regularly as YouTube. And the best way to communicate to us, to play games, chat, and in general, do just like be part of Ramble Shamble, is to join our Discord, which we have highlighted at the beginning of this episode. It's important that you guys join our Discord so you keep up to date with when we take a little break, especially after the Christmas break that we possibly have had. Uh, <laughs> these timelines and these audio recordings always change but again guys we do really appreciate if you guys can give us the five star rating on every platform that you can think of uh whatever you're listening on as well as share it with your family and friends because that will be the best way to spread and grow our ramble shampoo account it's also worthwhile to check out our previous episodes if you have not listened to them already because there might be another interesting topic unfortunately we don't have t to join us but there's other topics that may of interest to you and if you don't quite enjoy it they we always cover a range of topics so feel free to share with us but yeah absolutely awesome okay well thank you for joining us dear listeners today again and we'll see you next time bye bye bye